Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Boom, we're on. Today's guest, we've got my good friend, Billy Moore. How are you, my brother? I'm good, James. Thank you for having me back. Thanks for coming back. Yeah. The last podcast we've done, I was kind of just starting the game, sitting in a gym, people running behind us. It's still done well, nearly half a million views. I've interviewed a lot of people, brother, uh, over 200 people now. People come in and out of my life, come and go. You've always been solid. Over the last two years, we've spoke religiously, mm. nearly every day, helping each other. Both of us battle with our own problems, our own demons. Different lives, but kind of the same battles. It's um, glad to call you my friend, brother, and I Thank genuinely you. mean that. Yeah. A few edits out there, but you've been solid throughout my brother and that. I really appreciate that. First Thank of you. all, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Um, and you know, to begin with, that the podcast that we did, that was my first podcast. And um, I'd, I'd been through you know, a bit of a journey prior to, to, to getting behind the camera and talking about that experience that it did have. So I, was, I felt a little bit, um, a little bit uncomfortable with that first one, especially where it was we were in, like a gym with kids mm. on the running machine and everything with me. So it was a bit awkward. Yeah. We'll touch on your new book straight away, yeah. Fight For My Life. This is your second book, Bill. Yeah. Your first one, A Prayer Before Dawn. They turned it into a film, amazing film, very deep. But let's touch on this straight away. What's this about, Bill? This is a follow-on to, the, to, to A Prayer Before Dawn. You see, when it... I read the first one. I read that in a prison cell. And, um, you know, it was easy to write. And I felt that you couldn't escape the truth when you put it on paper. So it was quite, It was kind of like a way of healing. Uh, and that's done really well. It became a bestseller. You know, obviously, they made a movie about the first one. And I was always asked to do a second one, but I didn't feel he had another story in me. And Why? So, <laughs> I don't know, I think that was enough, but there was a lot of questions asked about the first book, about why, um, what happened to these drugs and what happened to this and you know, what happened to Billy. You know, when you read the uh, the Amazon reviews, um, and unfortunately I, I got arrested and went back to prison. And I think that's the only time I can write a book is when I'm banged up because I've got the time and I don't really want to do a trilogy. Although I've been asked to do a third book and it's not about me, it's about my brother. So I'm looking forward to... Um, to starting that soon, sometime. We'll touch on your brother, Joe. Absolute yeah. legend. He's loved all over social media. A man who's constantly pushing the boundaries, but he wouldn't also be doing that if it wasn't for yourself. Pushing him, promoting the message. Is it autism? Yeah, yeah. It's um, a strong character. He just climbed a, a hill there. Yeah. Massive Everton fan. He's one Everton fan of the year. Everyone loves him. Your stuff gets viewed millions and millions of times with Joe. Unbelievable. How is that, Bill, with your brother Joe? How hard is that also? 
It's uh, it's not hard at all to be honest. It's quite inspiring. He's like I'm just a I'm just in the shadows of his smile now, and it's quite nice. It's about it's about him. It's about including him in in society because he struggled with um, getting like you know, bullying. You know, he'd go to work and he'd be getting buses. You know, he had this independence where he'd get buses. He'd travel to work and you know you know school kids. You know, school kids are school kids, and he did name calling we've all heard it before you know and, and he kind of um, went into himself and he wouldn't go out it was quite sad to see him staying at home and isolating you know enough he wasn't selling anyone and then we, we spoke about it and I shared it on social media and it went, it went viral um I, I just wanted to raise you know how important it was uh, to understand that you know disabilities you know are, are there and you know just accept people through the air yeah, so that... yeah, it's it's been it's been nice. It's been a journey. I felt guilty to be honest, James. You know, over the years, I really did. I felt really guilty because, you know, my addiction stole, stole a family from me. You know, it's it. And we talked about this in the first one. You know, there's no way, um, there's no hiding the fact that like, I, I was I was struggling. You know, through life with uh, a lot of a lot of demons like yourself. You were talking about earlier on, and drugs became more important than my family. And sitting there, I've got a brother who's got autism. And to be honest, I felt embarrassed and I felt ashamed that he was, you know, because I, I didn't really want to associate with him or be a part of his life. It was this, this is the truth, you know. This is how sad, you know, I'm being real with this. Um, he was in my way. I was the oldest out of six of us. I felt, um, I felt that I never had a childhood. I was always there having to look after my younger siblings because my dad was quite volatile. He drank a lot and he was, uh, he was smashing the house up. My mum, you know, she worked every hour. God gave us and you know provided the best she could, but couldn't couldn't um, the intimacy was quite low because of the the fact that there was loads of us really, you know what I mean? So uh, yeah, for years he was just there and you know Did you feel ashamed, Bo? I felt I don't I felt embarrassed. I don't know why. I was young. Um because you knew you needed your help, but you were Yeah, I had that air of arrogance, you know, with youth. We've got an air of arrogance. We think we can live forever. Um, he was just there, and and I never acknowledged him. You know, uh, I feel I feel like terrible. Uh, I've never said this before in 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 the way I'm going to speak about it because it, it makes me feel really emotional, and I kind of pushed that down. You know, I, I suppressed those feelings, but I remember sitting. It wasn't long after we'd we'd done a podcast with yourself. It was in 2019. I got out of jail. I was in. Um, I was on a tag. I had to live with my mum in a bungalow um, on a camp bed. I had nothing. And I was always there because he, he's my mum's carer. And he used to sit next to me. And you know when we're on our phone and, you know, people's roast dinner in Dubai are more important than your family. And you're either like that or you'd like someone's posting, whatever, you don't even know who they are. And my brother's sitting there asking me questions and he's saying, how are you? And he wants to tell me about his day and I'm... And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'll come back in a bit, lad. I'll speak to you soon. You know, see you in a few days. Come back next week. You know, like just always dismissing him. And then he sat next to me one day, and then I said, I'll see you. In a, I'll speak to you in a minute. And he just, he just got up and walked out. And that was the moment. I don't know what it was. It was like a moment of clarity. And I just thought, what the fuck am I doing? I'm like, I'm like I'm addicted to this phone. And, and the people that love me, are the ones that are sitting next to me, and I, and I put it down. And I went in the kitchen, we had the chat, and it was the best conversation I've ever had with him. It was like, it was just it was just powerful. And um, I wanted to include him then in my life. And, 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 and 
do do things with them and I started to take them to a boxing club and get them fit and that and then um, yeah it's just developed from there to be honest yeah but that shows you how much you've changed in life that shows you how far you've come but instead of thinking about yourself try to get the next fixed try to stay out of prison battling your own demons to then becoming a different animal yeah pure honest loyal and that shows your character over the last two years we were just felt like shit two years ago Bill yeah. I was just starting my journey we used to laugh we used to slaughter everybody we just yeah. it was just but we always had vision we always says for day one get your book out look we'll get the podcast we'll do this and do that yeah. and we're fucking doing it brother we are doing it the videos that you're doing with Joe now no matter if you've never been there at the start you're making up for lost time now same as myself with the kids at the start like yeah. I would always palm them off to my mum I was going through the, the first three four five years of their life I was still in party mode where I never ever felt like a father this is the first time the last year, two years, I feel like a father. I feel like I am there. I feel it's not just about me. And that's that's a beautiful thing that we yeah. live and learn. And you're making example of people who can change. And we'll touch on now the prayer before dawn. We touched on it the first podcast, but I think now we can get a bit more intimate yeah. by in a room, silence, and um, go through that kind of period when you got to jail in Thailand. Yeah. What was that experience, Bill? That was, uh, obviously, hang on. You know, um, you know, I was in that 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 change. I wanted to 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 live a better way of living. Um, you know, being in that way of life where I'd been on the landings, on prison roofs, down in segregation, taking drugs. That was the way of life. You know, like I said, it was more important than anything that was in front of me. You know, and I decided I was going to go to a rehab. You know, because I, I just had enough. I remember, I don't know if I shared this on the first podcast, but I remember the most, the, the significant moments in um, in my journey was I was on the, the prison yard in Bolton, HMP Liverpool, and we were having a, a sit off. It was the office day of the year. It was two thousand and three, and we decided that we're, like, we're not going back on ourselves. This is it. I've had enough. I've had enough of using drugs. By the way, right. There's no help at the time. There was no rehabilitation. It was just bang up, do your rattle, get your shit together, get out and start again. You know, and 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 I was on that pattern of going back in. And so I'm on the yard. Next step is show. Let's get on the roof. That's fucking to me. It's a great idea. You know what I mean? The first kid that got up was a kid called Dusty. And I remember the moment he got on the roof and everyone screamed and yelled and windows were banging and I was just looking up going, wow, wow, wow. I love that attention. I want a bit of that, you know. So I decided it was my turn to get up. I was, the, I think, it was the third one to climb up, and I, I was thinking he was the oldest as well. I put a bit of weight on, so he had a little bit of a fat ass. And I remember <laughs> halfway up, um, this screw called Mister Muscle shouted, "You'll never get up there, you fat ass!" And halfway up, <laughs> I fucking slipped. I slipped and I landed on the yard. I fucking landed on the yard. It'd be painful. But you know that shame. I'm off. I'm off. Then the ego. I'll get back up. It's saying this is something like a North Sea rescue from the lads that were up there. They were pulling me up because they were, oh, get this fucking cunt up. He's going to get us here. He's going to make a show of us. And the minute I got up there and everyone started cheering, I just felt, wow, this is it. And then it stopped. And it was about the next guy. And then I thought, I want to fucking jump off. You know, this was it. It was like a moment. It was like a negative way of asking for help. And in reality, it, it did me justice. You know, and um, I went to this rehab. Got clean, realised they had a problem. I thought I'd want to live a little bit and enjoy my life and got a passport, bank your bank accounts, all the stuff that you get when, you know, you have that people take for granted and, you know, I was off 
on his travels to Thailand, and that was uh, that was another journey. How was that journey? Did you feel as if you were running away instead of facing the problems? No, here? I felt I never felt. I wrote, I wrote about like that. Be fair stories. Well, I never felt that I was running away. I felt I was running to something. You know, I'd always been running away from myself. You know, I, I was on the run for years, and there was no one chasing me. But when I went there, it was like. You know, I'm just a world-class card carrying pleasure seeker. It was a hot country. You know, the people were beautiful. The the, the food was great. The experience was, was was amazing, and and I fell in love with it. You know, that was it. It's long. I'd never left Liverpool unless it was on a sweatbox going from one prison to another. So actually going to to Southeast Asia, and you know, you're going there, and you know, I'm in recovery, but I had like untreated addiction. It wasn't. I wasn't aware of my emotional insecurities and the way. I'd, react instead of responding so that created a lot of problems with consequences how was it to adapt to that weather as well and the climate everything to go from england to then thailand well i got off the plane and i remember it was was november 2005 and um, it was don moang airport back then they've changed it now and i got off the plane and the heat was just tremendous you can imagine november back home it was snowing Mm. you know i've never actually experienced that so it gets off and it was like I met with this wave of heat and I couldn't believe that it was like November we jumped in this little tuk tuk and went to Kozan Road and it was hustling and bustling and it was just amazing and um, yeah I, 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 at the time I was quite naive and I felt immediately in love with the country or the city How long were you there Bob before you got to jail? Um, I think it was there almost a year because I ended, I spent five years in the country. I went there for three months backpacking in, in, in 2005 and came back in 2010. So, but maybe just over a year. See that there. experience in there in your first book, you wrote about dead bodies and people fucking suicides, people having knives. Did you ever get treated for that, like PTSD or any trauma? Well, I spoke about this in, in, in this story um, about when I was in Wandsworth. I had this fella with a ponytail sitting there doing card tricks with me and all this crazy gear and I thought, you know, this is, this is, you know, I don't really need this or, or any kind of therapy. I felt I was, had like tough, a tough upbringing and I could adapt to any situation. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I replayed the horrors of someone getting stabbed and dying in front of me over and over again in my mind whilst I was banged up over there and I lived in a lot of fear and I'm not ashamed to, to, to admit that. It was, it was quite scary. You know, I was the minority. I'm sleeping in shells with 80 people. No one can speak English. I can barely speak Thai. So I felt really lonely. And it was it was like, you can imagine, I, it was the loneliest I'd ever felt, being in a room full of people and I couldn't communicate. I couldn't share about how I was feeling or express anything. Um, so I found that, that, that experience difficult. And what I witnessed, it was quite shocking. It was, you don't see this like on a regular basis in the UK prisons. You know, I spent a lot of time in, 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 the, in the prison establishments over here, you know, growing up in prisons, that was it. I was educated in prisons and, you know, I'm not glamorised in prison by any stretch of the imagination. It was, um, it was a consequence of addiction for me. How was that, trying to survive in there? Was there any times that you'd ever suicide and think, fuck it, oh, I Definitely, doubt. James. I was, there was plenty of times. I mean, I remember wanting to buy a pair of laces off this Thai, this young Thai guy, and he, um, he knew what I wanted them for. And he said, uh, no, you can't kill yourself. 
in, in the best way he could. No, he spoke, he said, uh, excuse me, because there was rules every morning, there was 10 rules that get, get shouted over the town. I, I didn't understand what they were saying, but I, I knew Nung Song Sam C. Ha Hock Tiet was, was once, once a 10. Nung and then they'd they, they come out with it, um, a rule. And one of them was that you couldn't commit suicide. Why? <laughs> you couldn't kill yourself. That's the truth, right? Every night, right, they'd have, they'd have a 24-hour watch in the shell, right? So you'd go to sleep, and every hour on the hour, there'd be an inmate sitting there watching the rest of the inmates. He'd be sitting at the top. The lights would be on. You never never had the lights off in the shell. You know, they had strobe lights, and they were constantly on through the night. Um, he'd be scanning the sheer bodies that was in front of him. And any problems, he'd blow a whistle, and someone would come running. And that was how it was. Um, some people managed to fall asleep and put some did end their lives. But yeah, he was like, you know, what happened was if you killed yourself collectively as a shell, they'd be punished. And the punishment was quite severe. I think that was the, the first time I felt a little bit like not selfless instead of selfish. You with me? It was like, because they were kind to me. They were, they, you know, they were, they were offering me food and that. And um, I was just depressed. I was just got to a point where I thought, I can't fucking cope with this, you know. That speaks in a one, it stinks. The food's shit. No one knows where I am. I don't know how long I'm gonna save. Um, and it was just horrendous. And um, you know, watching people like getting raped and having to witness that was was was, was terrifying. Um, yeah, it was it was quite a scary experience, James. You know. And as I'm speaking about it now, I'm reflecting on it. There was a few questions in, that were asked in from the first book, like what happened to the drugs? Because when I got arrested, he had a load of drugs on me, weed, a bit of tablets. And I forgot to mention, really, you know, where they went. And for me, if I was a reader reading that, I'd think, fucking hell, lads, you've got a parcel there. What's happened to me? Where's it gone? Uh, but yeah, I think the first book was rushed. I had the time. The guy who was... Um, the publisher in Thailand, Derek Sharon, he, he said, look, you know, I was using drugs while I was writing that as well, you know, back in the UK. I was in and out of it, so it was, it was going on forever. He said, look, I need to give you a date here. You need to finish it by this date, so I'm going to fill it in for you. So it was, you know, it was there was a bit of a rush on that one, so I missed a few things out. Because you can scrap, Bill. You've had many fights. Like You're a proper fighter. That Do you think you wouldn't have survived if you couldn't fight in a Thai prison? Well, I was a... I see, I've always been in... See, I, I, I had like, the way it was, it was like, I didn't have any relationships that were positive. I always had like reactionships. I'd react to say, I was quite vulnerable. And I don't mean when I'm saying I'm vulnerable, I'm sensitive. I'm, I, I don't mean I'll start reading your poems off the landing and sending you flowers. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, when I'm, when I'm sensitive, I mean, if you're looking at me funny, I feel it. I think, is, he, is it because I've said something to him or you don't let on to me? I get all this we are thinking, I think. So there's the sensitivity, you know, so I reacted to that. And because I couldn't understand the language, and when he did speak, I knew they were saying something about me because it was kind of aggressive and it was in rapid sight. And I, and I, and I was observing and I, and, and I was listening. And if he spoke to him a bit different than he did speak to me, then I knew. Uh, so I'd react and I'd end up scrapping with a few people, but I'd always get battered because uh, it'd, be, it'd be never on one-on-one, -on -one, you know, and I ended up in, in, a, in a few bad states, really. I, I was... I was battered a few times, like him. But I did give as good as I got. But yeah, it was, uh, I was never going to win any wars there, James. Can they scrap themselves? I wouldn't say they could scrap. 
mean, if you, the Thai boxers, the Thai boxers are tough, yeah, but I mean, Thai prisoners, they're just, they scrap, it'll be like about half a dozen of them on top of one. You know, they win it. And then anyone's, you're not going to win a fight then, are you? You know, you're getting it with all kinds. And the kid Joe Cole, who played your part, phenomenal part. The yeah. kid who's been in Peaky Blinders, who you're good friends with, who's also been on your podcast. Um, how's that relationship now? Joe, brilliant. Brilliant. He stuck by me through thick and thin, even when I'd been arrested and I'd been away. You know, we understood because he's been and lived in my shoes. He knows how complex I am or was or can be. Um, so he's done a, like a character study. So he he understands the 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 way I am. <laughs> so Fucked yeah, up. yeah, fucked that up. Fucking hell, fucking box of frogs. Yeah, yeah but uh, yeah. So he's he's just been an incredible friend, you know, and I and I maintain that today. And he's just like anyone else. He's not. He's not. You know, just because he's on the TV and he's doing a lot of great things, and he, he he's just a, a young kid getting through life. You know, paying the bills. You know, he has the same troubles that anyone else does. You know, and I like that because he's sat, I've sat down with him and, I, and I've had really deep conversations and, and it's 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 been um it's been amazing just to to listen to someone else who you, you feel that you put on you can put on a pedestal, you know what I mean? And, and in reality, it's just the same as yourself. Yeah, phenomenal actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you go to the Thai prison, but what was your plans? What was the motive to to change your life? Was it were you still battling them when you get out? Oh, I was yeah, I was more fuck. fucked up. I went to Wandsworth and um, I think it was hanging in. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, I was just hanging, hanging on. Well, like, well, like, well, like, just to, to try and stay clean. Just trying to hang in there a little bit. And um, I managed to, to 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 not use whilst I was in Wandsworth. When I got to Wandsworth, it was um, it was like a culture shock. I'd been in Thailand for five years. You know, obviously the weather was boiling over there and I've I've come back to the UK March the 31st. Now, prior to coming back, I didn't I didn't think I was gonna ever get back to the UK, especially right. alive, because I don't know, I, I believe that I, a part of me believed that I'd, I'd stay there and I wouldn't get back and I'd, I'd end up dead there. And it was a bit of me that was going, look, you know, you need to survive and get through this. This is this is the, the reality. If you don't want to survive, get through it. It was tough. You know, it wasn't tough for everyone. It was tough for me because I made it tough for me. You know, people go, yeah, I've been there. And, you know, it, it wasn't that hard. But, yeah, you know, you probably played chess and wash someone's socks. I never. You know, I went about it really tough. I, I was involved in drugs, in debt. Um, always in and out of fights. So... With that kind of lifestyle comes a lot of consequences. So the feelings were, will I get out? Will I want to get out? And when the um, 
the MC came and said, look, we get a repatriation for you. We're going to get you back to the UK. I was delighted. It was made up. And that was uh, happening around about March the 28th, 2010. But prior to that, there was something called like the reds and the yellow kind of protest going on. Bangkok was on fire. There was bombs going off. The airport was surrounded. It was blocked off. They kept coming back to me saying, look, your flight's being um, delayed. You won't be going back to the UK. This, you know? And to get these messages from, like, I, you got to remember, I've got no outside, um, I'm not, I'm not hearing exactly what's going on outside. There's no radios in the, in, in the shells. The TVs are just Thai game shows and we can't understand the word that's getting said on them. Um, so I had no idea what was going on. No one was coming in and telling me that the city was all on fire and everything. Um, I'm just getting told it's delayed. We don't know when. So I'm thinking, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Uh, and he didn't really want to tell me what date it was that you go because of a security risk. Anyway, they did come. It was on the 31st of March 2010. It was a 12-hour flight. I remember getting on a... I remember the screw, Mr. Moneypenny. And he said to me, what religion are you? But before he said to me, what religion are you? He asked me... Uh, he was telling me about Wandsworth. He was talking about the Muslim gangs. Now, I'd changed my religion in Thailand to, to Islam, you know. I mean, my name was Yusuf Muhammad. Now, I did that because I wanted to keep the engine room alive. I was hungry. Um, I remember walking around after paying these debts. I never actually had the money to pay these debts. I, I begged these missionaries to help me, so they supported me. I was going to end up dead. I was going to end up with, like, like getting injected with, with, with HIV, and I, I didn't fancy having a, a long death sentence. I just pff, didn't fancy fucking dying at all in, in, in that way. Um... So I got these desks cleared up. I kept walking around the prison and, and seeing these Muslim guys eating this food. And he says, you know, you can you can sit with us today and have something to eat. And I did, and he enjoyed it. And I said, I'll come back tomorrow. And he went to say, no, no, my friend, only, only got the Muslim brothers. So I thought, yeah, all right, sound. Come back. And I changed my name to Yusuf Muhammad, threw a skull cap on. And I thought, this is sound. I'll have my dinner every dinner. Time here. Um, which they did. And then he went, you'll have to move into our shell. So they moved me into the shell for a year. So like I was late reading the Quran, I enjoyed it. You know, it's it's it was an experience. Um, all the foreigners, foreigners that were there were judging me and uh, and saying, you know, you're blagging it. I, I couldn't get a care less, mate. I'm fucking surviving. Survival mode. It is what it is. I'm trying to get through the best way I can. Um, but I learned how to to read uh, Arabic and you know, I've done a fajr and a shahada and you know. And that's, I, I learned about the, the way Quran meant to recite. So I learned a lot about the Islamic um, religion. But I, I was also asking questions about, like, because I was naive and and, and I, I, I believed what the, the papers said. And if you, if you say, like, you know, uh, Muslims' backpacks and all that. So I asked, what's all this? You know, people killing each other. And he, he said, look, Bill, they're extremists, the fundamentalist. He said, Islam means peace. He said, when I say to you, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, alhamdulillah, that means peace be with your brother and you're safe. So I learned a few a few things. He said, people like that, they can't really claim to be, you know, a religion of peace. So it was nice. It was nice. Um, and it kept me safe. It kept me alive. And when I was on the plane, one of the, uh, the screw that was talking about what religion I was, he was mentioning these Muslim gangs in London. And I put them down. And then when he asked me what I was, I just said, uh, I said, no, I'm an atheist. I felt embarrassed. Why? I felt I'd be judged. Instead of just admitting and accepting, I didn't want to kind of rock the boat. It was just, fucking hell, you know, what am I? 
until I got there. And when I'm in Wandsworth, mm. I felt really guilty about denying this religion that had kept me alive for over a year. And I spoke to the inman in, in Wandsworth prison and, and I explained my situation and I told him why I denied it. And he said, look, just come to a tumour on a Friday. He said, I'll have you opened up. I went, okay, I'll, I'll come along. Because they, they enjoyed it. It was quite a... It kept me, kept me grounded. And I remember on a Friday afternoon when my door opened, it was the same screw that had brought me over, right, from Thailand. And he looked at me, dressed in this sarong, and he went, just shook his head. <laughs> I said, what the fuck? He sh sh shrugged and smiled and moved on. And that was it. I was okay with it. You know, I knew I wasn't uh, when I got out. I ended up fucking... I just ran a bend. There's something that I, 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 I do... Um, I'm involved in, in a recovery programme and there's something that says we sort health through religion, psychiatry and medication, right? So we were seeking help in, in religion, psychiatry, medication, everything, but like being at peace with yourself, right? I was looking for a lot of things outside of me to look after me. Drugs, different drugs, you know, I'm on this drug, so they'll give me that drug to come off this drug. So I never came off anything. I'll sit with a psychiatrist and I'll talk about my feelings for fucking years. You know, nothing's changing. You know, I'll, I'll change my religion. I went from 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 a, from a Catholic to a Buddhist to, to, to a Muslim to to fucking hell. I'll be a Hindu. I'll be whatever it takes to to, to keep me to me mad. Yeah, because yeah, because you know, it's 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 quite it's on fire. My thinking's quite uh, volatile, and you know, I get forced. I come through the back door uninvited and fucking call me all the swats going. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that's just all the pain and trauma you've yeah. seen. You've been through a fucking hell of a life, yeah. Paul. It's a, a constant battle, but for what you're achieving now is unbelievable, and that's how I'm proud of you. Yeah. When you talk about people getting injected with HIV, what what does that mean? So what they did, they had these improvised syringes made out of pens, these ties. So they'd get this, and it was white. It was heroin. Was white. It was it was it was pure fucking. It was pure pure heroin. I'd be smuggled in by prison guards. You know. You're not supposed to have money in the prison, but there was loads of money getting flashed about. Uh, currency was the king's head, stamps. You know, there was a lot of currency with stamps. You could you had to buy your food because if you didn't have money, you'd be eating prison issue standard shite slop, which was fish head soup uh, and a bowl of sticky rice twice a day. And it's, it was fucking filth. And you, you, the smell of it would knock you sick. You know, I remember the first time I was holding my nose and I was I was eating the rice and trying to stomach a little bit of uh, this soup and it was just fucking disgusting. You know, it had a, like a film of dirt on it and there's flies all over it. And, you know, you, you just, you think, how the, this is, this is, oh, this, this horrendous, you know what I mean? It was horrible. Um, you had a little bit of money, you could eat, a, eat, eat well. Um, and that's, that's, that's what I strived for, just, just to eat well and survive. And they were injecting people with? Yeah, so back to the, um, with the heroin, the monopoly was like, there was a lot of Nigerians in the prison, they were shelling the heroin and, and there was also the Thai mafia, they were dealing with the samurai gangs, they're called Thai samurai, um, tattooed from head to toe, quite dangerous, very small, but like packs of them and they didn't care you know, they had no value of life. So um, what had happened is if, you know, if you didn't have your money to pay that debt, I've seen it, you know, they've stuck syringes full of blood in other people and it was horrible, you know. I remember seeing this little Malaysian kid. He was always in debt. Um, and he got him. 
at the back of the billets. And that was it. He just, they punched him full of holes and he was like, you know what? <sighs> Fucking, you just know. You just know, that's it. He's dead. Whether it's then or in, in, in a few years, but... Yeah, that's fucking scary. Yeah, that's scary. I don't know. You know, I talk about this, <clears throat> these stories, James. Right? I've, I've shared this a few times. You know, you yours. You know, yours were the first podcast I've ever I'd ever been on. Um, I've been on a few since, and I've repeated my story over and over again. I've wrote about it a million times. I've I've sat in conventions and talked about it. Um, people find it quite. Um, Intriguing and interesting human interest stories, survival stories. People are like, 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 love listening to that kind of stuff. I don't know why, but um, it, it becomes like you, you, you condition to just talk about it and it becomes normalized. Mm -hmm. So when I say to someone, Yeah, I remember getting some kid getting stabbed, stabbing himself in the neck, right? And there was blood everywhere. He ran in the, the, the guard's office, don't know why, what was going on. Stabbed himself in the neck and he come out and took himself hostage. <laughs> he, had, he, had, he had the blades with his throat. It was blood pumping from everywhere. He was known to have HIV. All the guards were standing back. They were terrified. Everyone was scattering. And the first thought in my mind was, while everyone's distracted, the queue's a little bit low. I'll go and get some hot water. That was it. It wasn't like, wow, look at this. Because I'd seen it that many times. You know, I just... And when you tell people that story, they go, what the fuck? What's wrong with you, wasn't you? I don't know, I was just like, it, it was over and over and over again. It was a daily thing. You mm. know, I was just more concerned about getting a decent cup of coffee. Yeah. You know, and watching a little bit of drama. And I think that's what life's all about. People love drama. People love, like, toxic platforms. And I, and I look at it, and I, and I look at my brother, getting back to, to our job, and I think, I want to inspire positivity. You're right, I've been living it, I've lived in that that way, that that toxic, toxic way of living and all that drama and trying to get attention and all the emotional vampires jumping on it because they love it, you know? Um, and there's not enough love and there's not enough positivity out there. And I hope that me and my brother can provide that. That's it, because I've lived that negative way of living, it's shit. It's very immature, you know? I've had to, had to grow up pretty quick. I've, and I think you will grow up if you see shit like that. Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> but yeah. That's tiresome though, all the negativity and all the bullshit. And <clears throat> like, I've been doing this for a year and yeah. not once have I broke, not once have I shouting out and screaming. Like, for me, but that's embarrassing. Like, I'm trying to make changes. Every guest I have on, no matter who it is, there's always something you can pick up on. There's yeah. always mental health getting spoke about. Everybody battles in their own way, their own demons. We deal with them separately. Some people deal with them by whatever it is they do. But for me, it's all about trying to be, show compassion, show a bit of love. But listen, we're still fucking animals. We'll take no shit. But life can be good if you want it to be good. I yeah. just try and create something constantly working, constantly pushing the boundaries, constantly raising the bar. It's difficult, like life ain't easy, but it's not supposed to be easy. But as human beings, we can strive towards greatness, we can strive towards better. All the negative bullshit, I do not deal with it. Like, for me, I don't want to get involved in any negativity. It always comes your way, you always be tested. But for me, listen, I prove by my actions. I'm not one of these guys who's constantly, my job is to talk, but I don't constantly talk in bullshit, bullshit. Like, I'm working hard, same as yourself. I just want a better life, not just for ourselves, for our family. And you'll see 
the bad eggs everywhere and that happens but there's also good eggs as well there's also good people trying to make a change try to better themselves and that's very important in life is to learn yeah. from the people who are actually doing it too many people have got platforms now where they just talk shit bill yeah just talking absolute garbage in it people can buy into the bullshit drama sales it's us it's us james to say you know sometimes i think fucking hell, look at the followers he's getting and it's just like sh- chatting loads of shit you know and i don't feel um, um, I'd like to do something like that just to gain, to gain that kind of following because the following that you're getting is probably toxic as well and that they enjoy that stuff, you know what I mean? So I avoid that. Um, and there's never been a negative comment on a post I've shared with my brother, you know, right? Everyone's, you know, and Twitter's quite critical. You know, you know yourself. It's ruthless. It's, it's ruthless. Um, because I believe that, you know, He's quite, he's dead innocent and he's not scripted. He says it how it is and it's, it's, it's beautiful. You know, I was with him last night after I left, left, left this, uh, left the events and, um, I don't know, he's just, um, I just love the bones of him. I'll be sitting in a car with him and he'll just randomly say, I love you, you know. And I don't know how to respond, you know, James, like, I go, yeah, do you, lad? Because, you know, He's like... still quite guarded, Bo. Yeah, it's like even with my partner, I'm like, you know, I feel like when she's... She's an amazing woman, by the way. Yeah, amazing. She, she's beautiful and she's, she's, she's a great woman. And, you know, when she hugs me, I feel like I want to escape. I feel like I'm... I don't know what is it. I think it's the years and years of trauma and, you know, loss and, you know, rejection and makeups and breakups and shake-ups and all the shit that goes with life and, you know, the feelings that I've gone through and, you know, the, the codependency and, you know, she's got the end of this now, you know, like, here I am at, at, at a stage in my life where I feel a little bit more grounded. And four years in recovery, I haven't touched or used a drug or drink in, in, in all that time. You know, I, I was still on a tag. I was on a tag when you done a podcast with me. Still in your mum's house. Yeah, still in my mum's, on a tag. Um, feeling really, feeling really embarrassed and ashamed of uh, the shit that I'd done. But then I kind of understood that, like, I'd done these things because I was driven by a substance and with trying to clear a clarity of mind, I wouldn't have done it. Um, so I had to stop beating myself up. And Big John said it last night, you know, you shut the door in the past, we move forward. Um, and that was something that stuck out of his little chat last night. And I thought, wow. Yeah, Big John Fury yeah. at a live audience last night with Big John. And what a man that interview a lot of people you're up there with yeah. big john let like, always give you support always give you love ball and again that man as well is he's battles he just stays in his little his hot, little hut he says and just does his own thing like his son's the yeah. biggest superstar on the planet is um and they're just so humble and you you become a recluse it's weird that like, yeah when you talk about the struggles when you start changing when you come off the drink the drugs when i started making all the wee changes the conscience that you get because yeah. you get clarity of the pain the misery you've caused and that's a difficult thing because then that shit which makes you want to turn back and go back on the gear yeah but then once you start battling through it things start changing new opportunities arise this is why i always say you just keep going by consistency consistency look at the doors that are opening for me now three years deep yeah. it's not a six month one year plan it's a two years three years and then yourself you'll be doing live audiences everywhere with different people you just keep building the name building the brand and then doors open like the guests and caliber i guess that i can get them it was unbelievable yeah. to where i've started to what i'm achieving now this is why it's important for people listening consistency is key everybody starts 
nobody finishes, but yeah. we never finish the race completely anyway because we're all going to fucking die. But yeah. it's to finish strong and, and get to as close to happiness as possible, which is a hard thing to do because we don't really know what happiness is to a certain degree because we always want more of it. When I'm happy, Bill, something will come into my mind and I think, why are you happy? Look what you've done. Sabotage, yeah, yeah, and then I start feeling sad yeah. again, and then I feel normal because my life's been used to chaos. Well, do you know what? I think, like, you know, when we're talking and I'm between podcasts and we're interviewing guests and like yourself, um, I, I feel it's nice to identify like yourself, you know, with uh, their experiences as well. So they feel like they're not alone, you know. I'll sit there and, I'll, and someone will see, I'm like yourself, we haven't come in with a list of questions, mm. I don't think that's authentic. You sit in there and go, okay, so what happened there, Bill? What happened there? Uh, so I've never done that. I've never really done any research. I don't watch podcasts, to be honest. I'm not really a big fan of like watching them. I don't know why. I've watched a few. Um, I watched a few of you, 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 yours and, and, and uh, Joe Rogan and Owen, but I don't really, um, I can get really critical, you see, so I avoid it. <laughs> I avoid it and I'm right, I'm a proper fucking judgmental fucking <laughs> bastard, you know what I mean? Sometimes I pray, I pray for that judgment, but... Um, you know, and I'm like, oh, fuck this. And I know that's just the toxic kind of like the way I can manipulate myself into into to to pulling someone else down because I feel shit at that moment about myself so I want to elevate myself and I think that fucking James English and this and that mm. and, you know I can get quite envious and, and the reality of it is you know, I'm, I'm in a sick place then I've done that who the fuck I've had that guest and he's had that guest and then people <laughs> go to me I phoned him and I thought he's a bit fucking fast off the mark this country this is me head right and then I go stop it Bill it's a business mm-hmm. it is what it is and um, I remember uh, speaking to Rodri and he was like, oh, no way, Billy, I've just spoke to James the week before. <laughs> I thought, How the fuck did he even know about mm-hmm. you? You know, so it's, um, but I forget that you've been in this, you know, and I'll say this how it, how, how it is, James, you know, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have probably, well, I wouldn't have because I wasn't really that keen on doing podcasts. I didn't understand it. I didn't think it was IT. Well, I'm not. Be paid as all he has. Um, thanks, by the way, Michelle. Um, <laughs> doing a great job. And, it got to a point where I was telling my story and I was getting asked that many times to go on podcast. I was on like through Geordie and I've done great numbers for animals over 2 million. Um, and I'll tell you something now well, why it went well, right? Because I'd never heard of the through Geordie, right? I'd never heard of yourself, I'd never heard of through Geordie. I went on yourself, I was a bit like, oh, what the fuck's this? Went on uh, Brian's uh, fucking great fella, Brian, and I never knew who he was. He'd asked me like two years before. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I said, soon as there any money in it? <laughs> That's it. You're going to pay me? You went, no, it'll, it'll, it'll expose your platform. And I'm like, what the fuck platform? I haven't got a platform. I'm fucking on the gear here. You know, <laughs> fucked. Help me out. Yeah. And he says, I'm a power note. And I just swerved him. And then a couple of years later, someone's got on a through Jordy, you know, you're, you're on it all now, Bill. Strike while the iron's hot. You're just being on James, so I sent him a message. I said, oh, come on then. You know, like, like I'm doing him a favour. I didn't know any of his background. I went on there and I was a fucking in, the, in Kansas, London, paid for me to go out. That's a bit fucking of a smart little area, this, isn't it? You know what I mean? Nice little type of paddy he's got. Sat in there, properly rig out and that. I thought, fuck, 
I didn't feel intimidated because Lawrence was there and Lawrence is a nice kid, you know what I mean? So it was a bit of a like chalk and cheese, the big fella and and the sort of like the posh kid. Good cop, bad cop. Yeah, it was yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know, I was just I was in my element then. I was quite I kind of felt a bit confident about delivering like the topic that I knew I was good at talking about because of the experience there. So yeah, um coming back to to that kind of stuff. I got to a stage where I got fed up of it myself. Like, you know, I don't mind. It's because we can talk about this second story. And which, you know, to write a second book, right, to have two bios in a lifetime, it's quite an achievement, especially a movie. Um, and I feel that I've succeeded a lot. But there's a part of me thinks that's never enough. It's never enough. Now, this story, you, know, you think the first one's tough. You know, this one's just as fucking bad. You know, um, and a lot of people who I know have been on the same journey as me, you know, it's, 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 um, yeah, so, I'm losing me train of thought there, where was I, James? The podcast, bro. Oh, the podcast, yeah, so I started one with the All or Nothing, and um, someone said, he's got a name called the All or Nothing, I'm fucking not asked. it's fucking my fucking All or Nothing with me, never mind him or them. You know, it's, I'm not trying to fucking plagiarise, so I've, I've got on it, I've, I've got, you was my first guest, to be fair, it was my brother Joe, right? Joe, you were my first guest. Shout out to Joe. Big shout out to Joe, yeah. And then yourself, James, and um, it's, it got big numbers. And I want to shout out to um, the kid, Alistair, who passed away. You met him. Okay, man. Quite, uh, feel quite saddened to, you know, he was, he's, he, Alistair Robinson, he... Um, Do you know he, what, we'll dedicate this podcast with yeah. him. I'll put a photo up at the start of it and we'll yeah, dedicate it to him. Yeah, um, because he was looking forward to meeting you and we'd done a podcast in his apartments in... In Liverpool. And one camera. One camera, yeah. And he ended up killing himself about six weeks ago. Which is and he's only 33. And that's mental health and addiction. The kid was there. And, he, and he helped me out. And uh, I appreciated all his support. Oh, although he was a box of frogs and he was he, he was a nice he was a nice man. Um, so yeah, this is for, for Alistair. And ever since, you know, I've committed myself to doing a podcast once a week. Which is hard. Yeah. Fucking hell, mate. It's not easy. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Shutting up on my own, mm. like yourself, you know, turning up at someone's house, and um, it's been, it's been like I've enjoyed it. Sometimes you sit there, you know, what the fuck am I gonna say? Yeah, how's this gonna go? And there has been the odd one or two where it's like you, you fucking pull a nail, trying to get, you know, a conversation mm. out of someone. And I can understand because if you're not used to being behind the camera, it can be quite difficult. You know, so high. I mean, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not that fucking vain, but yeah, I've enjoyed the. the well, love it. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I've enjoyed the journey so far. You know, I've had some great guests and some of the comments. Nice one for all the comments. You know, I love you. That say, <clears throat> you know, how many of these have you robbed off James now? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, probably about half a dozen. You know, it's not about. And, and have you ever watched the ones that we've both done? They're different. They're different spins yeah. on them, and you know. But this is—it's only interviews. Like I will help out anybody. Yeah. If somebody sees a guest, oh, I like him. Can I have it? There's their details. It's exposure for them. They've been good enough to come on my show. That it's not about. It's competition. This and that. Everybody's on their little journey. These yeah. are therapy sessions for people. So a guest that I've had on and you have on, yeah. it's different audiences as well, and people can pick up different things. Like. Nobody's in competition with me. I do my own thing. I work hard to be where I am. Like, yeah. I'm not interested in the bullshit, bro, the drama. 
People can say what they want. I don't retaliate. I just work hard. In life, if you've got enemies or you want to hurt your enemies, kill them with success, Bill. Yeah. Go and prepare yourself for an amazing life because that hurts people more. And I'm just not interested. I just want to stay stay hard working, provide for my family. I'm creating a big platform. I'm getting great guests. I'm making money. I'm traveling all over. Yeah, I'm succeeding. I don't need to get involved in the bullshit. Now. And that's the sh the shame, James. I feel like I'm not going to have a platform for people to to, to put people down. It's yeah, not fuck um, that. no. I've, and I'll never have a guest on. And if they if they've got a bit of beef with someone, I'll say, look, you've got a bit of beef. I haven't. It's it's your it's, it's mm -hmm. your. Let's move on and talk about you, and not talk about this other individual because it's not fair. You know, they're not here to defend, defend themselves. themselves. So I avoid, right? And I've had a few guests on which can be controversial. Um, and I haven't put them up yet. Probably put them up by the time. Yeah, well, by the time this is on, it'll be up in um, I've always, I, I, you know, I, I keep it simple. You know, talk about you. It's your experience, your journey. And and, and, and that's it, it's great. Um, and it's, um, it's, it's been going well. I started off with, with fucking no subscribers. Mm -hmm. Literally, well, October. I think I've reached almost 17,000 subscribers in, in six, seven months, which is incredible for me, I believe. I, I, I kind of persevered, you know, and um, a lot of people have helped and retweeted and supported. And for all those that have subscribed and, and commented, they appreciate it. And, and I feel that, yeah, it is. Because the comments underneath are like, you know, you're really helping me. You're talking about addiction. You're talking about mental health. There's a lot. I'm fucking experienced, mate. I've got a lot. I've lived experience, mm -hmm. you know, um, I'm still here, I'm still clean, I've been through a lot of shit, I've had cancer, stage three, I've been in prisons and, and it's been fucking really tough, you know, I've had relationship breakups while, and, and I've ended up on the heroin and crack cocaine, you know, I've been in, in, in institutions and I think, do you know what fucking hell, why are you still here? <laughs> why are you still here? And I think, there's a reason, right? I've never had kids... You know, I've never had kids. I was like I said, I'm living on a fucking on a camp bed with two Bichons, my ma, her husband, uh, and uh, Joe. And my fucking life is like, what the fuck? I've just got through stage three cancer. I got out of a prison where I had a girlfriend at the time that had uh, did on me, which is difficult. And I stayed clean, by the way. I was in prison and I was in recovery. And this is where I wrote that second book. And it was this is a big observation on um, the prison establishments that are currently uh, going on today. And this is, there's a big, big, uh, big, big chapter on, on how that is now, you know what I mean? Which is important, mm -hmm. it's relevant. The spice epidemic. Um, you know, it's, uh, this this book sort of explores my childhood a lot more, you know, goes. What stuff? This, this what stuff? Growing. Yeah. Well, growing up and feeling, uh, feeling less than, feeling rejected. Screaming out for a bit of love from my dad, um, getting beat up by someone who I thought was my hero and I loved, but still getting beat up and telling them I loved them. You know, that's that's like you know, we're getting battered and, and, and you know, telling your dad that you, you, you love him. It's 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 um, it was fucking having to write that stuff, James, and, and having to watch me mum you know, grow old before my eyes. You know, I'd been see, this is what. This, this story's about like traveling, going about your life self-centered, um, not thinking about anyone. Like my brother Joe, he's in the way. My mum's my mum and that's it, take it for granted. My brothers and sisters, I can't be honest with them. Um, 
it's just me and, and, and me against the world and then it stops and then you're in, they're in front of you, your family and you think 15 years have gone by and you really take a good look at your family and you go, they've all aged. You know, your mum's fucking hell, there's wrinkles there and it's so sad to, um, to, to, to experience that. So when I'm writing this 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 second story, I'm talking, I'm I'm going right through my childhood and going right through um, growing up, and, you know, and, and the reasons why I'm so complex. And there's a contributing factor to an individual's behaviour. You know, I'm aware now that I wasn't um, I wasn't given any guidance or any, there was no divine intervention where someone would be stepping in. I was just left to my own devices, you know. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot in that story um, that I felt that helped me heal. Now, you know, now I've got a family, you know, I've got a little boy, fucking wow, that's, that's you know, I've been diagnosed with cancer, I told I couldn't have kids. Now I've been with this talks about being with three women that I thought I'd loved, that I've all aborted pregnancies, which broke me heart, James. I mean, I'm I'm talking about from like when I was in, from my twenties up up until like my late thirties and the relationships. Had, I'd see there was a lot of mistrust with women. You know, they aborted pregnancies, and I couldn't trust them. And then I met this girl, and she became pregnant, and I was shocked to say the least because I didn't think he had anything in the bank. <laughs> because of cancer, the cancer, um, and we had this beautiful baby boy, which is just fucking hell. He's gorgeous. Obviously, takes after me. Oh yeah, he's gorgeous. And um, <clears throat> I'm being with him every single day and just watching him grow. And I think this is the right time. I would never have been a dad. I, I could never be a brother. I could never be a son. You know, I could never be a partner. Uh, you know, drugs were robbing my soul. I was ploughing misery into myself for decades. You know, and now I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm grounded and I've got a family and a house and, you know, I'm doing a lot of things that are benefiting myself and the community, which is important. You know, I think it's a community and family values now and my mum phones me up for a bit of advice and I was with her last night and, you know, spend more time with my brother than I do, and he's, he's my hero. People say, you're his, he's not, he inspires me to stay, to be a better person. James, he does, you know, it's, um, oh, hell, he's just, just an absolutely beautiful, amazing soul. Um, and I don't know why I didn't see that years ago. I was blocked, I was, I was, you know, for anyone out there who's got family and, you know, they are important, don't dismiss them, it's, um, the ones that love you are the ones that are sitting next to you, not the yeah. ones that are in fucking some other part of the country smiling on Facebook or... Yeah, it's difficult to visions block by that. Yeah. If you're taking drink, drugs, if you're taking all the bullshit of the day, you can't see the great things that you have around you because all you're constantly thinking of is your next fix. How can I lie to get out of the house, to go to the pub the extra day, to stay out for three days, to get money to... You just become a pure liar, you become a fraud yeah. and you become a failure. And what happens is that then boils anger because you know what you're doing is wrong. How hard is it both to be in an abusive relationship with your father, the volatile relationship, to then having your son... To then want to be the best father you can be, do you, you, you try and 
not make the same mistakes as your dad. Oh, I'll, I'll definitely say, I like I look, I look at my little boy and I think, how could I anybody, you know, harm a child? Or um, I just, I just, me, 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 me heart swells with love and pride, and I just, he can do anything. He's, he's, <laughs> he's just, he's just, it's just, I feel like I nurture him. I can teach him. I can allow him to to have choices and 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 not tell him what he's going to be doing in life. Like my dad says, "You're going to be a boxer." I didn't want to fucking be a boxer. I wanted to be in the army, you know. And um, I thought, you know, my dad used me as a punch bag, and I became a boxer. And you know, I felt it was pretty good at it. And when I, I got a bit of attention from girls, I sort of I didn't need my dad's attention. I didn't need his love. You know, I found like you know, I was looking for self esteem in, in other places, and I found it like with the people around me and um, they say don't eat bad company corrupts got good character and I felt like I was a good kid I felt really believed I was a good kid I was a good kid um, I'd look at my mum and watch her cry and think you know I'll never be like my dad because I know he's hurt you and she looked at me and said you know you're going to be a good you know you're a good you're a good boy um, but it became like him in other ways you know I was a bully I was I was violent I was I was I was a fucking mess you know you know, I'll take responsibility for my actions, James. I'll take responsibility. I'm accountable for the shit that I, I dished out. So what I do today is like I was I was a drag to society. It was a drain on the fucking on life. And um, I think today I feel as if um giving back a little bit's important. I was speaking to a friend of ours, Michael Emmy. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. What a lovely man. <laughs> Former right. drug runner. Right. What a, what a honest we've we've had some great chats and, and um these are the people that I like around me. I like like I like to, to have around me. Not these fucking social media fucking gangsters and dramas and, and all yeah. that the, the the shit that go come on, stop it. Get your get your fucking shit together. <laughs> honest it's like how old are you? What what are you doing? What's your agenda? Do you need to be like so fucking shuffle with like low self-esteem that much that you need to validate yourself with uh, with likes and comments and, and followers. Right, if you want to follow me, follow me, nice one. If you don't, then, you know, nice one, and it's not going to cause me any problems because it's, 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 you've never been in my life anyway. And the people that do, I really appreciate it. It's, it's nice to be supported in, in a nice, positive way. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that, that do support me and, and and I know that there'll be comments from you know people who who, who don't know me and, and like Big John said last night you know, we love those trolls you know we care about them as well yeah I like that what he says of you know we, we care about those trolls I don't know what a fucking troll is right I don't know what a troll is I just well, I think I grew up with a few you know what I mean in our school but I don't know what one is and I, and I you know, I think it's somebody comments and tries to inflame a bit of yeah. shit. I'm not asked. It's like I'll just go. Thanks for watching. Yeah. The thing with me, bro, I've got over 400 videos on my channel. Yeah, every single one makes me money. If people mention me, it draws traffic towards my channel. I make money. I sleep. I make money. Yeah, I'm a different fucking level. I ain't got time to retaliate. I ain't got time to talk shit. I'm a positive man, yeah. try to make positive changes, but I still will always stand my ground. Like, but I've got too much going good for my life. Why? Because I create that. Yeah. There's thousands, billions of things you can grab onto and talk shit. Billions. But I want to talk about the billions of stuff that's going good in the world. But we are human. You do 
people throw your past up in your fucking face. Ah, uh, mate. As if you're thinking, I fucking, I don't hide, I don't deny. I've, I've seen make, it. Do you know what I mean? It's embarrassing. I've seen it, James, and it's like, like it's like, all right, yeah, so he's done this and he's done that. And, and I, and like, 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 it's like, look, shut, we've shut the door on that mm -hmm. past, right? If it was continued, continuing to be doing stuff like that today, currently, presently, mm -hmm. then yeah, fair comment, judge me, tell me I'm a cunt, but if I'm not, give us a squeeze, will you? Then again, I don't even need one off you, I'm all right. Um, you know, and I know that you, look, you did, and I looked at the last podcast, it's a Billy Moore gangster, I'm not a gangster, I never have been, by the way. I was on the receiving end, receiving end of like addiction, and but I know tagline sell, and that's my biggest struggle at the moment the tagline what do I put on of course it's hard you know because if you look at a YouTube video something that grips you is the tagline you know and mm -hmm. then you could watch and think what the fuck he's not a fucking gangster I'm not by the way but I could have been no. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be you know what I mean social media gangster but um, no um, I've uh, I've got no I think it's important just to just to build people up, James. It really is. It's a, to build people up. We live, you know, life's too short. We're here for a few short decades. We're blessed. Um, I don't think I've got any time for, for for fucking all that shit. Nah, it's too it's too consuming, bro. She what my mate said to me, right? This is what my mate said to me. And this is a bit of advice she once said to me. She said, Billy, you either get busy living or you get busy dying. You've got a choice. And um, and that's what I do. I'm busy, and, and I am too busy to to. Uh, to, to to be depressed or too busy to I'm I'm always active. I'm in the gym regular, you know. I'm fucking with my brother, I'm with my family, I'm with my partner, with my baby. You know, I I I do what I need to do. Yeah, I just keep busy, but I do have my struggles. I can't fucking concentrate on anything. You know, overnight I'm trying to lie there. Watch, I think I'll watch something tonight, and I'll probably watch about five different episodes or something before I make a decision on what I want to watch. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll start something, right? I'll get it about 15 minutes ago. This is shit. I'll start something else and then I'll come back to that. So I know me, um, my concentration levels mm -hmm. are on fire and then I'll be on my phone, right? I'm on, oh, mate, that fucking, it's, it's, it's a nightmare. Um, looking at like who's, who's, who's messaged or what the YouTube comments are or how many likes or how many followers and I'll do that and I can't help myself. It's like, what, what's wrong with you? You know, how many subs this week and uh, I, had, I had so many. I've lost one. I've fucked my bears up, look, I've lost one. Mm -hmm. It's gone. Don't think you're good <laughs> enough anymore. That's, so this is that business. Yeah, it's, this is just that business. Life's like, fucking mad, isn't it? It's just that business. Like, I bring guests in because it creates views. The more yeah. views it creates people talking, the more people talk, then the more things that come with it, the more doors that open, the more money that comes yeah. with it. It's just that business. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, of course you can. Right. What do you think of the Scousers? Because you've had a few experiences with Scousers, haven't you? I fucking you? love the Scousers, yeah. bro. This is my second tome. I was in Runcon last night. Yeah. Couldn't be more loved. Tony, Tony Morell, brilliant. Tony Morell, shout out to Tony. Yeah. Great guy. The Scousers are 100%. They're all, majority, are fucking sound. Everybody that's came across, I've came across, are amazing. They're loyal they're solid and they're all sound love the scousers my second home lit i genuinely do like they're fucking nuts yeah. liverpool in glasgow we, we are fucking like, these are all every scouser i've had on is a fucking nutcase but me. people people love the scouse glasgow yeah. scouse are the same it's like there's a brotherhood there there's a connection there yeah. i don't know what the connection is but there is a strong connection and a strong bond like 
I think it's just um, it's the same with with me and, and, and the kids from Glasgow. I've got a good few friends, George, George Nelson. Uh, you know, he's in my story, and I remember him coming down with a guy. Um, to visit me and he died in my house, the kid from Glasgow, and I wrote about it and it was quite sad because I had to wake up and see him there and spend eight hours and, uh, with the police while he was lying there. It was horrible. It was an horrible experience. This is stuff that, you know, I've had to... to, to this is trauma. You know, you know, finding people dead in your bed and, you know, who were friends that have overdosed on drugs. You know, having to see them in that, that state. Um, you know, so... I'm the same. I love, I love Glasgow. I love... I've really been any further than Glasgow. I mean, um, I've enjoyed you know, Mary Hill and Postle and you know, a few friends. Yeah, are, tweet, tweet. Yeah, a few friends around the area. But yeah, it's, um, I think it's, you know, and it's like even like Liverpool have got a, like Darren Schmidt, you know, he's um, he's been a really big help to me, you know, over the past. He's, the guy who's, he's done a few podcasts with me, he's very popular. Funny man. Says it how it is. Um, we were supposed to do it in this gym, unfortunately, today, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, we will do it again. We will. But, um, yeah, he's, he's helped me out a lot, yeah. you know what I mean? So your relationship with your dad, Bo, did you ever get any peace with that before he died? I did. I did, yeah. My dad, he died of cancer in 2013. And for the past, for the last 10 years of his life, you know, um, I spent sitting in his little flat with him but not see, speaking quite well really he used to go to his flat once a week and just sit there and he'd sit there and he was off the aisle but he was um, he, he never addressed his problems he was one of those I'm off it and that's it I've still got the shit going on I'm not addressing it um, I was already in recovery then I was addressing my like um, my demons and he wasn't and um, I'd just sit there and we just I remember all the resentments he had towards him and hated and Love and all that, all the mixed feelings that were going on. And I was in a treatment centre. And when I came home for a weekend leave from Bristol, I wanted to see my dad because he had all these feelings. I hadn't seen him for a long time. And he was living in this hostel by this, this stage. Um, it was the middle of winter. I had my niece with me, Megan. I was holding around him. It was snowing. And I went to this, this place where he was. And I was nervous. You know, this is the first time I, I, I was going to speak to my dad. You know, after all the uh, the shit that had happened as a kid. And I knocked at the door, walked in, and there he was with a little flat cap on. And he was very intimidating, my dad. He, like, like, he was a big man when I was a kid, and he was quite scary, and he'd only have to look at me, and I'd, I'd shit myself. You know, I was frightened, and um, I looked. Our eyes locked. It was weird, you know, James. Our eyes locked for that brief moments, and I saw all the pain, all the loss, and all that sadness in his eyes, and I felt it, and I had this lump coming up in my throat, and it was it was weird, it was just like, he knew and I knew that we were both hurting, but we couldn't really speak about it, and then he looked away, and I looked away, and I went, gotta get off now, Dad, take care. That was all that was said, and I walked out, I had my niece with me, she was five years old, and, and and the tears were welling up in my eyes and you know, I blinked and he started to come down and she looked at me and she said, You're okay? And I remember her. She goes, She was quite intelligent for a five year old, you know what I mean? She went, she squeezed me and went, You're gonna be okay, you know. And I was this is what, this is from a little five year old girl who's, who you could see the pain and 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 and, and, and the, 
the heartache it was going through. But I also felt my dad at that moment. It was I forgave him. I forget there was forgiveness. It just, it just there. Uh, it just came over me. It was like I seen all his pain. I seen the years of torment he'd been through, um, and he had that empathy and that compassion. I don't understand him. And uh, forgiveness. And I held his hand when he passed away in hospital, and it was the first time he said "I love you." It was the first time he said it, and he meant it. And I was like, oh, he just took his mask off, and he went to. Uh, I love you, and uh, we were all we were all in. Um, we were all, all siblings were there. My sister was, and she was in prison. You know, this is the fucking family I've got, um, and we felt. I don't know if anyone else has experienced anything like this, but the moment he passed, there was a chill in the room. Everyone felt it. Something was gone. Something left, um, and I felt it. It was like whoa, fucking hell. You know, it was twenty-eight minutes past ten in the morning. Because I looked at the clock, and that was the moment he'd gone. Yeah, but yeah, something, something. It was like, and 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 at that, all my sisters and my brothers that were there were, were sobbing and crying and screaming. But prior to that, they were all holding it together. But I processed it. I kind of started dealing with it on a daily basis, knowing and, and expecting. Uh, and they were like, "Why you feel? Why you feel?" But I, I, I dealt with it in my way. So when they were all like in a ball of tears, and I, I was there. Just stands up and go, look, I'm looking out for these now. You know, I'm going to speak to these now. How are you feeling? Not about me, not how I was, it wasn't about how I felt. I've lost my head, not about how I felt, it's about how's my mum? How's she feeling? How's she going to cope? What can I do for her? Look at my little brother, he used to go there. I used to go to my dad's every Friday for his fish and chips, right? And he used to go there and, and that was religiously and that's been taken away from him. How's he going to cope? How's he going to live with that? Um, I didn't think about me. It was like when I was diagnosed with cancer, the first thing I thought about was, how am I going to explain this to my mum? How is she going to... It wasn't like, oh, fucking me, me, me. You know, I'm a pure victim. Boom, I was my mum. It, it's strange how you can be selfless and, and get rid of that self-centeredness. Um, and I think that's that's a gift. It's like humility. No one can give you humility. It's got to arrive from within. It's like Oscar Wilde. That's what Oscar Wilde said he wrote about it. It's like, no, to be humble. I'm humble, I'm going to be humble, I'm going to eat humble, but fuck off, it's like, it's got to come from within, yeah. you've got to feel it, you've got to experience it, you've got to, you know, I like what Big John said last night about all these millionaires, he said, I'm not interested, you know, in the elite and all that kind of, that class act, first class, second class, this is where you're going, um, we're all, uh, this, these are, we're real people, I'm not going to stand on people to get to another place, James, I'm not going to put you down just for a pound note, I'm fucking that arsed. I'm, I, 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 if, 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 if someone can send me a message and go, do you know what? I love what you said. I'm going to change my life. I'm looking at a new direction. I'll ring people. I've had messages, right, James English podcast on emails from from guys and kid and Blackpool sent me a message. This is fucking years ago that we've done this. Just watch that James English podcast. I can identify a lot with it. Right, Bill, I'm struggling. Um, I said, look, send me your number. And I rang him. And he's like, fucking hell, you rang me. Well, well, why wouldn't I, mate? Who am I? It's not as if people must think that you're, you're, in, you're in the house and you're dead busy. Sometimes I'm just fucking scrolling. Put your bugs in your yeah, hand. There's fucking nothing going on. I'll, yeah. I'll ring you. I'm not that important. And I'll ring and I said, look, if there's anything I can do, I will. And I've spoke to someone and said, look, can you reach out to these kids in Blackpool? Because that's where he is. And I don't know anyone here, but I know people up there. 
Eh, that's a warning, James. That's what Come it's on. about. It is. I try and reply to all messages, but the messages are going through the roof now. I'll send a voice note. I'll do the same phone number. Drop the message. Just to, the, this is why these podcasts are so special because anybody that's listening, maybe for the first time, like you aren't alone. Yeah. No matter what you're battling, no matter if you're what are you doing whether you're overeating undereating not training hard or no visualisation ah, in an abusive yeah. relationship you're battling with addiction mental health you ain't alone everybody's on their own journey their own battlefield their own fucking they're in the trenches we're all in them together like yeah. we all breathe the same air we're all fucking on the same land like we're just divided so much and we're so confused and that's okay but just sit down if you're battling just now just take a step back sit down and look at the bigger picture. Things will be okay if you believe yeah. it. Don't I know people say that it's okay not to be okay, of course, but it's not okay to live there. You don't need to live in that fucking with those demons, those pain. Reach out for help. Phone a professional, like phone the NHS. Like there's so many good people. Phone that friend. Drop that message and say, look, you're struggling. People are all over it just now on social media. If you actually just put a line out yeah. Twitter and say, look, I'm struggling today. Is there any help? I guarantee you have hundreds of messages with people from support with support there for is, you. Mate. And I think we've got like luxury problems at the best of times. You know, like yeah. Mike, like you said, like f food. That's a big one for me. You know what I mean? A train, like an Avenger. I love going to the gym, I've done it for years, but I'm getting a little bit older and the sugar sticks to my ass a bit more, you know what I mean? So, you know, I'm on these intermittent fasting diets and I've lost the stone and this. And sometimes I'll look at myself like, oh, you fucking fat bastard. This is what goes through my head, you know, you need to breathe in. You're like, get me on the good side. You know what I mean? My head looks like a fucking medicine ball. Like, yeah. I'm just focusing <laughs> on everything. I've right? been the same, but I've been right. folding my arms. When you fold your arms, you can hold in your tits and you can see the biceps. Well, I was doing it last night with Big John Fury, but... When you I, I always do that and everyone... Yeah. Well, you know, so when you got that box, I don't know why. Why do we do that? Fucking oh, stupid fist. I know I'll do that all the yeah. time. I but if it don't, I've got my hands in my pocket. I just feel yeah. like I'm fucking on holiday with a pair of socks yeah. and flip flops. But um, yeah, you know, we have we have we've got luxury problems. The, the biggest, you know, uh, problem I've got today, and, and most people have is food, right? You put down a fucking nation, you pick up that, um, you know. But yeah, I'm loving. I'm I'm I'm, I'm loving. Life and it's you know I'm getting old now. I like I'm not ready. I'm not out there looking for fucking straighteners like some of these on the podcast that you see. You know, like meeting them in the streets and having fucking someone stop me. No, I'm not. It's um, it's just, it's drama. But we are we're a fucking nation of like fucking drama queens, aren't we? Yeah, you know. And but that's where the sale is. The it is and drama. Like, I pick choose true crime as well because people are interested in the story. But I don't glorify anyone. Well, it's just an interesting story. We always touch on the victims. There's always people who still suffer from it. But it's just a platform for people to talk. No yeah. bullshit. No drama. Don't get involved. Like people watching, just follow the people who are putting what they see in the action. This is important. Not just screaming and shouting. Just follow the leaders. Follow the people. Yeah, but you, you've got to. You know, sometimes you've got to be careful as well. And I've always said this because you know you can shout out to someone for a bit of help and and they'll they'll do it for a bouquet of flowers. You know, they'll do it for an agenda. <clears throat> you know, look what I'm doing. Right, self-seeking. You know, and it's... Um, someone always said to me, he said, Bill, if you're going to do something, do it and don't tell no one about it. Right? But we're fucking, you know, we, we, we like to blow our own trumpets sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it, Constantly. It's, it's, it is, look what I've done. And um, I've learned over the years not to do that. I start to cringe when I, I tell people what I've done. Um, now, I'll tell 
people um, what I do with my brother because I'm raising awareness around autism. Now, my brother's got autism. He's 43 and he doesn't look it. He's innocent. He's, he's just the most... He's got the best smile, right, on the planet. And I'll give him that, right? But I am an handsome bastard. And <laughs> he said that to me last night. And he said, oh, I said, what would I look like, lads? I'm an handsome fella, aren't I? He went, yeah, you wish. You look like you love crime, but... You know what I mean? <laughs> And that's the banter we can have. His vocabulary, if you see him, James, and I think I'm sure you'll have a few times, his vocab is quite uh, limited, right? It's like, oh, I, I'm good. So that's it. You're trying, like, I'm trying, and what I'm trying to do is trying to allow him to expand on that. You know, you're feeling fantastic. You feel amazing. You feel sad. You know, it's, it's okay. You know, but he's 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 a he's the bearer of the bad news. You'll always sit there and go, guess who's dead? <laughs> yeah. I go, fucking hell, that's throw a phone book at me, will you? Because that's all you come out with. Think he's dead. This so we, he, he, he's just like, it's just, I don't know, he's, he's just fucking great. You know, I love him and, and, I, and I do, Joe, and I don't say it, I don't say it a lot, mate, but yeah, I do. I care for you, yeah. And he doesn't even watch these, so he won't even hear this. But. What about the big C when you got stage three bow? Yeah, as you can see there, right, um, it was not Hodgkin's lymphoma, stage three. I was going out on a date with this girl. I can't even remember who she was now. It was just, I was in that way, like, I was in a relationship breakup and I've met this other girl and I'm trying to, trying to play the field a little bit. And I had this lump, so it was vanity really that made me go to the uh, the doctors because I thought, oh, fucking hell, there's a lump here. Because come out of nowhere. And I was looking in the mirror, shaving, and I said, fucking massive. They thought it was a blood clot. And he said, it'll work its way out within three months. I said, okay, yeah, well, I'll feel a bit of relief here. Then I booked a flight to Thailand to be on the film set of A Prayer Before Dawn because they were filming in 2016. Got to Manchester Airport, paid for everything, little bags and everything with this long thing, and, you know, it'll work its way out, it's a blood clot. Gets to the airport, and he said, you can't go in. Thailand won't accept you. Oh, what do you fucking mean? He says, you ever, um, have you ever been in trouble there? I went, no. He straight away, lied, you know what I mean? I went saying, no. He said, have you ever had an overstay? I said, well, yeah. About how long? It's about five years. I was over there. He says, look, you can't go in. He won't tell us why, but you can't go in. So I was a bit despondent and I went back home. But when I got home, because I was planning to go there for three months, I had a 12-week plan in Thailand. Um, goes home, there's a letter off the NHS. We need to speak to you immediately. Get yourself down to Broad Green Hospital. I went down there. They wanted to take a biopsy. They took a biopsy. A week later, they said, come back. I sat there. The doctor, the oncologist at the time, he was um, he was dealing with it. wasn't available. And I had to go to a funeral that morning. So I'm in a suit waiting for this oncologist. Uh, his, his, his report. And he actually told me over the phone because he couldn't get back. He said, you know, he's sitting down. I was like, oh, canal, oh, canal, this is serious, this, you know what I mean? He said, uh, it's, it's cancerous, but there's, there's anomalies in your, in your blood and, you know, uh, we need to get you into surgery immediately. Uh, can you come in on Wednesday? It was a Monday. I was like, oh, canal, yeah, wow. I'll tell you about this now, right? So it goes to this funeral. I'm standing and I'm morbid now. I'm sitting at my mate's funeral, John, John, his dad's passed away. Um, I'm sitting next to it this kid called Wayne and I'm saying to Wayne What's your? I said you know right dad like, would you come to my funeral in a mankini you know like trying to like, lighten things up and yeah 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 you know because my head was like I was going really I went into like I've seen seen coffins going past me I'm thinking that's going to be me this is the the thought process I was going through you know I'm going to tell my mum what's going to I fucking I accepted it pretty quickly by the way um, I thought I did anyway 
So, yeah. Where was I? Coffins. Yeah, we should. We, yeah, but I was. Accepted uh, that. I went to this. I went. I had to look. See, see, because of addiction, right? I've had a lot of like, like I was injecting a lot as I was a kid. You know what I mean? So my veins were all fucked. Now I've had to. Um, I've had to have surgery, right, on my neck. Right, and he couldn't. He couldn't find. He couldn't find a vein to uh, fucking put me to keep. Put me to sleep. It was horrible. This, right? So he had to numb me, and he was leaning on my chest and. St- cut me right open it was the most horrifying experience you could ever have is having surgery wide awake on your throat eh, and feeling all the yanking and pulling and gritting my teeth and there was tears in my eyes and, and I didn't didn't say a word I had this nurse holding my hand for over an hour and at the end of it she was oh my god you were so brave she said, I couldn't believe that I was like fucking hell yeah I wanted to scream right I was I really wanted to scream um, and yeah, because it was like it was an emergency they needed it to. And he said, look, if we, if we put it off, we had to do a pick line through your chest. It'll take a week. It'll take this. Can we do it? We'll numb it. See, the consequences of drug addiction kind of fucking do me, me a lot of things, really. And come back after the surgery, he said, look, we need to put you on chemo. Chop chemo. Right now, that was like, that was horrendous because it, it, I started to lose my hair I went from 16 stone to 9 stone um, I was on medication now you give me drugs like I say I break out in allergic reaction I don't break out lumps and bumps I break out in handcuffs pain, misery, loss all that shit this is what it is that's 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 what happens I have an allergic reaction to drugs so they give me medication self-medicate take two every four hours alright yeah every, every, every four hours became every two hours and then I'll take four, and then six, and then I'll take a pack of ten. This is the way I was memorising and justifying and, and explaining it to myself and manipulating myself. And, you know, and, and I knew I was, I was on that road to, to, to fucking disaster. And then it was like, I had thousands of pounds, by the way, because they gave me a payout for this film. I mean, I'll give you loads of cash here. Big bag of it, by the way. You've got cancer. You've got a fucking throat problem. Here's some money to add to that. You live on your own, your girlfriend's left, yeah. You know, you you you're in loads of fucking feelings, you know, what I mean? Fuck, fuck it, fuck it. The fuckets came in. Every fibre in my body was screaming, go on, go and use. You're gonna die anyway. So expense every penny I had, right to James, every fucking penny. I think I bought a Rolex. Because my mate said it, 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 they, they don't lose the money and all that, they don't lose the value. They ended up selling that in the end. Um, so yeah, I spent everything uh, on, on drugs, lost my job. Lost my house, lost my car. The girlfriend that was with kind of left me. Well, she can't, she fucking did. You know what I mean? She left me. <laughs> um, I'm standing, right, I'm standing on the red carpet in Cannes Film Festival, right, by the way. In a tuxedo that had been bought for me by this film company, fucking big Hugo Boss one. It was, you know, and thousands of people clapping and cheering me achievements. You know, I was masking it with drugs. Um, I'm standing on that, that that red carpet on a Saturday night, right, in Cannes Film Festival, two and a half thousand people in the cinema. On a Monday morning, I'm trying to scrape a tenner together in the same tuxedo in a crack den in Breck Road in Liverpool. That's how, that's that's where it took me, James. Bang from that. You know, you've got the likes of fucking Clint Eastwood. He was, he was doing all the ceremony. Yeah, people were like, wow, fucking great movie. I was like, fucking great movie. It's traumatic. I watched that. 
people say, oh, you were in prison. I wasn't. I was in fucking cans. I watched it in cans. It was, it was, it was there. But I was using as well, and I was hiding it. Um, obviously, I, I thought everyone fucking didn't know. I was, well, I was blaming it on the cancer as well. Um, I was on the CBD oil. I started growing fucking cannabis farms in my house. This is fucking the story. I went on YouTube, didn't sell anyone. I couldn't afford the, the CBD oil, you know, the, the proper THC stuff. So I set up cannabis farms in the house on my own. Went on YouTube, bought all the can of A and B and, and, and the, 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 the combine stuff and the tents, the gorilla tents, the lot, bam, bam, bam. Started growing this year, Alien OG, the Kush, the cheese. Um, doing it really well, fucking hell. It was a connoisseur, it was good. I mean, really great plants going on. I ended up smoking it. Didn't make any oil. <laughs> Just tanned a lot. On <laughs> Smoked about twenty-five uh, ounces of fucking green. Um, but yeah, and you know, at the I've, I, you know, I ended, I ended up back in prison. You know, and that was, um, and that's what happens when I pick up drugs. Like, if I picked up drugs today, James wouldn't have a wallet, and his watch would be gone. This is this is what goes. I'd be tying you up. This is the the, the things that go through my mind. Um, I, I'm fucking terrible, you know. It, I become, I become someone else. I become a monster. There's a, there's a, there's a question. You know, do you ever think you were a monster? Yes, I was. I was like, I was like horrible, um, and I don't know who that person is. I really don't, James. It's easy. It's, it's, it, it just comes from nowhere. And you know, I'm, I'm really grateful. And like someone said to me, look, Bill, I'm not the man I could be. I'm not the man I should be. I'm not the man I want to be, but I thank God I'm not the man I used to be. Now, that's what I feel. I, I'm grateful that I'm not the man I used to be um, because I wouldn't be there for my child. I wouldn't be there for me, brother. You know, I wouldn't be there. If I, if I went out again, it, it'd be game over. You know, I'm 48. You know, yeah. um, It's about taking responsibilities, which is a hard part because yeah. it's easy to escape. Now, if you're drinking, taking drugs, the... the the 100% facts is you are a loser. Yeah. You are a loser. You can't handle real life. You can't handle society. You're hiding, you're masking. And it is difficult because we don't see it. I took all those drugs. If I spoke to you when you were yeah. clean, you were telling me to stop, I'd have told you to fuck off because yeah. I thought I knew everything. But when you start becoming clean, when you actually go to a GE meeting or an A or an NA and see that you're not alone, it's so scary going through those doors and going to a meeting. When I went through the first GE meeting, but I was like, I was thinking, look at the fucking state of all these people. Look at the state of them. Because I was a good-looking bastard, so yeah. I always thought my looks that I didn't have addictions because I could still <laughs> wing it. Do you know what I mean? But then I used to look at them and go, look at the state of them. And then they started telling me, oh, you used to steal from your, your mum or your family or shoplifting or selling drugs to, to fix the, the addiction. You're thinking, hmm, I'm just like these people. These are my brothers and sisters. <laughs> They're just all the same. You could get away with your looks. That's um, because you had a few bears like that by ours. You know, you we, 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 we were quite, quite, quite good looking, and you think, you know what? You know, the more you know, you use and, and the lifestyle that you're living, they, they're going to fade, and that you're no longer going to get by on that. Yeah. So you, you look at you stop the way you're at. <laughs> you answering bastards. Um, my mate said to me last night. He said, "Fucking hell!" He said, "Why does James look like Martin Sheen?" <laughs> <laughs> Tony Quigley, you yeah. know, how come he looks like Martin Sheen? I laughed, uh, and yeah, I, I, it's 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 great to the comments that you see. Oh, look at his teeth, yeah. look at his hair. Yeah. Why? Who's asked? Come on, why do white teeth get such a bad rep though? Let's Is your look. teeth not supposed to be fucking white? Like <laughs> my teeth are natural. Like I've got the uh, composite body. No, it's just the first are they two. Are they composite. No, they're real. It's only the first a composite bonding. The first two, just to, to yeah. level it all out, but. 
even if it wasn't like <laughs> Let's, you think fuck me like people's teeth really get a bad rep yeah. like me and Dan Tow obviously the two teeth are fucking popping we've done a podcast yeah. and it's just like people get so annoyed at other people and you're thinking what? Like, I'll still look at people and I think fuck me they look as if I've got a good life now you part of envy, yeah. envy and jealousy kicks in you think and then I'm thinking stop being that old way of thinking yeah. James stop being a prick just do you People are always going to judge. I People know, are always going to make assumptions. Yeah. Everybody's got a platform where they can talk. And that's on as okay. But what kind of message are you producing? Yeah. And it's difficult. So when you started, when you beat cancer, was that when your life started to change for the better, Bill? Well, it, it's she, I, I like I said, I spent everything I had. And I was, I was in a young oncologist. It was February the 8th, 2017. Right, and then... The oncologist sat there and I thought, this is it, I'm ready for me to manage. I'd spent everything by this time. My car was on its way out. And my house was gone. You know, I was scared. I nothing. I was just a shell of a man. And I was thinking, rubbing my hands, going, well, all right, Bill, you know, you're going to go. You know, you've had all the chemo's done now. This is the answer they've got for you. You know, it's over. Um, so I'll just accept it. And uh, you've had a good time. You know, convincing myself. And the oncologist said, oh, Glad to see you, Mr. Moore. You're going to be well. You're going to be fine. You've cleared it. I mean, what? <laughs> what do you mean? You don't want to live? I thought, fucking hell, I've got all these people. You know, you want to live? And I thought, fucking hell, I've been set now. I mean, I'm loads of... But anyway, yeah, I ended up in prison, didn't I? Because he had the consequences of that. I ended up in prison. But I went to prison clean in recovery. I was five months clean by this stage. Difficult. The most... Um, hardest thing I've ever experienced is standing in a, in, a, in a crown court in recovery free from addiction expecting a prison sentence and then getting it and then going in to a prison right thinking fucking hell every time I've been here I've been under the influence I've been a lunatic I've been down the block and I've been fighting as soon as I got in I'm, I'm, I'm frightened here right I'm frightened because it's a different world now it is a different world and I've gone in um, and I've gone in like thinking I've had a bit of charge on me by this time I was like 16 stone 8 and thinking oh, I don't know fucking hell what am I going to cope here you know all, all the drug induced paranoia that you're walking past and, and anyone looks at you right? if anyone looks at me and I'm looking at them the first thing that gets said is like who you fucking looking at so there's a reaction straight away then, then you're on the floor rolling or someone's getting cut up so I kept looking at the fucking floor it was hard Um but I learned pretty quick, um, uh, you know, uh, people were okay. And it was, you know, I got a good job mentor and other inmates. Um, so any, any all, all the newcomers that came in to, to Walton Prison in Liverpool, I'd sit there and share a little bit of my experience and tell them about the do's and the don'ts. And, and, and a few of them are, you know, really grateful for that because they, they've been in touch with me since. And it was the first time that I went through the process of, like, going from a, from a, a special into um, a cat C and then into a cat C which is four and cross where Big John was um, and getting released from an open prison that was and having the opportunity to sit there and write a journal about uh, uh, the visibility of what was going on you know, this is like actual factual information right there's a few you've mentioned uh, uh, Miss T this, one of the, the screws in there she's, she's lovely she's in this story and um she validates everything that was in it, you know, about like what I'd seen and what I witnessed. And I was trying, right? I was trying to help other inmates uh, in recovery who were struggling. Because what they do in prison now is they put them on methadone, right? 
Now, they're stuck on methadone and then they get out on methadone. They're not breaking a cycle. So they're back into a, they're back in addiction. Now, the, the nice guidelines in, 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 in the UK say, well, we don't want to reduce them from methadone or take them off it because if they get out and then they use a, a substance and then they overdose, then we feel responsible. You know, because we're keeping away, maintaining them. No, fuck off. You're not giving someone a fighting chance. You're controlling people. You know, drugs are coming in on um, uh, uh, spice and all that's coming in now, and people are using that and dying. You know, I'm humiliating themselves, shelling themselves. You know, I have fucking people start trying to sell me roasties and fucking chicken wings for a fucking for a bit of dish. It's 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 that's what I'm selling your soul, your wear and tear, everything. It's it's and and um, families getting in debt, suicide rates massive. People living in these glass shells. Well, glass, I mean, like, pure perspex rooms where you're just on under 24-hour ops, cutting themselves up, no one can smoke anymore. That's a, you know, take away yeah. people's cigarettes as well. The stress levels are high. There's just, so I wrote a lot about it, and, um, you know, I was up against brick walls. You know, I was actually, uh, my, my shell got raided a few times. I was, um, I had the category D status taken off me while I was in a Cat C prison, which means I couldn't go to the Cat C because I was under a... Uh, uh, the security had suspicion that I was uh, dealing drugs. I had nothing to do with this. They said I was taking people into a room and cultivating gang culture. But it wasn't. It was like a rec- it was a room full of fucking lunatics trying to get the shit together, shitting there going, oh, fuck it out. I've had enough of this out there, you know. I can't live like that. And and I had the opportunity to, to speak to people and help them out. But then fucking grasses and little fucking shitbags were throwing notes in the box saying they're cultivating gang culture. You know, so I was getting, Michelle was getting searched. Late at night, two in the morning, bang, the door would go in. More, psh, camera, uh, camera there, uh, torch in your face, fucking searched, taking to another room. I was like, I'm getting stitched up. And this is the first time, right, James? In, and I, I'll swear on my Mars life here, and I don't say this lightly, like I was doing the right thing. Right, I was doing all, 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 all the things that you should be doing positive and I was up against this whole thought, you know, you do the right thing and you can't fucking win. Yeah, but when you do the right thing right at the start, the devil always chaps the door though because of the misery and pain you've caused. It's just a little bit Yeah, of, so a bit of karma. Yeah. Yeah, so the, no one's going to believe you, Adi. Come on, let's have a right. You're, you're, you're a fucking former, well, you know. But yeah, so I, I managed not to react. Um, I managed not to react. I got through that sentence. I fucking hated it. Hated every day of it. You know, first it was, you know, you go in there, it's, all right, Billy. Then it becomes Uncle Bill. And then you go back in, it's Pops. <laughs> it's like, you're not getting any younger. You know, for anyone who's got a, who's thinking of a career in crime, it's, it's be prepared for like a lot, a loss, you know, and a lot of isolation and mental fucking unstable yeah. well-being. What know? happened to your ear, Bill? That got bit off by some kid years ago, um, over Easter eggs. In right. prison? Out of prison? No, out of prison. I was 16 years old. Um, I can't even remember what kind of Easter eggs they were. I was a it kid. must have been fucking gold <laughs> Easter eggs, man. <laughs> I remember it well. And I was tripping as well on an MBS. Um, I remember the kid, he was taller than me, he was the cock of the school. And I, you know, everyone was scared of him. And I fronted it. And I went, fuck that. I'm like, I'll have a with you. And he had, me, he had me in a grip there. And I pulled away and I come off. He ran off. I had it stitched back on. It looked like a fucking quaver after six weeks. It was <laughs> fucked. Um, but that affected my self-esteem. If it, I felt unattractive. Like, I haven't got the best looks anyway. I've sort of matured into them as I've gone older. But uh, yeah, I was. Um, I felt like I felt so ugly around women and 
you know, it, it was it was very rare back. Just because of, you had the bit of your top of your ears off. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fucking hell, I had the plaster on it for two years, hiding it. No, because it was just it was I just felt so 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 um so insecure within myself. Um, and I thought, you know, just. I just did. I just it, 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 so that had an, had an impact on me. Then I got slashed in prison. Then I've ended up coming off a motorbike in Thailand where I've, the chassis landed on my chest, ripped me intestines wide open. I've had three surgery surgical operations on me on my stomach whilst I was in prison. Um, I've been stabbed by someone, someone's brother that we know. Um, I've been fucking shot at. The fucking hell. You know what else? You know, it's just it's just I've been battered. I mean, fucking hell, I've had my head punched in a few times. I've got scars everywhere. It, it, it's just like what I'm trying to say is it's not a glamorous way of living. It's not something I'd glorify. It was, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to have survived all that, and I do wish people all the best, and I wish people would come to like common ground and I just I just like just understands. Look, this is it is what like people just wanted to um, kind of like. If people are looking, asking you to retweet stuff or people are saying, look, can you share that or I've got a platform, just help them. If you can, you know what I mean? If you don't want to, then just don't try and embarrass them, you know, and, and, and humiliate someone because you feel like you're elevated on these on these high platforms. I, I don't I don't agree with all that stuff, you know, James. I think we should all come together and not stand on each other. Just like, okay, look, let's cross this bridge together. Now, I've always shared this. I remember... A story which was quite significant in 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 my recovery. It was the early days, and it was um, it was about this addict, right? And he's walking, he's lost, he can't get up away from addiction, and he's 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 trapped in this hole that he can't get out of, and he's just walking round in circles, just screaming for help, and the doctor walks by, writes out a prescription, throws it down to him. You know, he's asking for help, and this is what he gets a prescription. The doctor walks off. A psychiatrist walks by, stands there, speaks to him for an hour. You know, this addict is screaming for help, and he just gets a little chat for him, has a little chat, and then gets off. And then another addict walks by, and there's this 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 guy in the hole shouting, right? And he looks down, says, "I'm gonna, I'll be down with you now." Jumps in the hole with him. He went, "What the fuck have you done now?" He said, we're both stuck, we're both trapped. He said, no, follow me, I know a way out. And this is what it is. It's about the predecessors, people who have been there before can show you the way out. Look, all the talk and all the fucking this, that, and you know, look, I've been there, come on. Come with me. I've been on that journey. And that, you know, the love that we can offer people and um, a bit of kindness, it, it doesn't go. Yeah, it goes a long it, way. It does well. go a long way, mate. And I can say to you, and I can say to you, James, I feel jealous of this, and I feel it. I do. Them feelings come. I go fucking him. Who does he think he is? And I, you know, and I can't escape that. And I, and I give myself an hard time, you know, like I, like me mates Aaron, right? I wanted to do this podcast in his gym, and I feel I felt guilty about it because we couldn't do it because it was it was just the, the logistics were difficult, you know. And I felt fucking hell because I overthink. You know, I'm a bit of an overthinker. I think, oh, he's going to think of a cunt. That's it. You know, and, and it's not. It's, 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 we are, you know, it's, there's a consequence to being clean for me. And it's, it's fucking here in my mind. It's, it's me head. You know, it's, it's not as, um, yeah. 
but we all think like that, but we all get sensitive as well. That's just life. Like because of the background we come from, a bit of abandonment issues, the yeah. battling with addictions, it must fuck with your brain. Do you know what I mean? The trauma, yeah. everything that you go through, it does affect <laughs> you. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm the same. What was the first like? What was the first experience taking smack ball? The first experience, it was vomiting. It was, it was vomiting, and I took it because I met this girl. I was sixteen years old, seventeen, not even, not even, not even touching seventeen, and then. Um, and I remember her saying to me, you know, do you want to go with this? I wanted a spliff. I was like, I was just hanging around with anyone, you know. She went, do you want? I said, no, I want a spliff. And she went, this makes you only this. Oh, yeah, does it? You know, and I, and I fucking thinking with downstairs. And I, and I went, I had, a, I, had a, I had a couple of lines with her. And uh, I just had this immediate, like, warm feeling. It was tingling. And, and uh, I was just vomiting. But then I went back for more, you know. Um, and I got addicted pretty quick. I was, yeah, so I was 16 when I was... I was using heroin, and um, it was back then. It, it was it was everywhere, and heroin was heroin. You know, you couldn't fucking piss for a week. You know, it was not like it is today. It's just fucking. It's the, then the, this fucking German baby powder came in. Then fucking mannitol. You know where they they just started chopping it up, and it was um, yeah. It just started to go shit. But yeah, that yeah, was my first experience. It was it was it was, it was nausea, and you know. Yeah. Have you had it before? Never smacked. No. Oh, well, it's all right. You know, you want to get on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get a bit you'll dropped off just those, now. You'll lose those teeth if you do. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah no, no. It's, um, it was. Um, I think it was the drug of the day. I suppose if it was today, I'd probably be on the spice. If I lived in a village, I'd probably be the village drunk. This is. It's, it's mm. a built in me, you know, to change the way. I I, I do believe that um, I was conditioned. And the contributing factors started when I was a child. You know, have you explored that? Some people have had great childhoods and fucking become magic. So oh, you, yeah, it, 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 it doesn't. It yeah, doesn't. Not in boundaries, no, it, it's it's got no way. It doesn't separate you. No, you know, it, I think people who are, who are loaded and have got a few quid, you know, must have it really. I used to take loads of Charlie, and I used to look at fucking smart kids, and I used to think. You fucking state of that junkie. <laughs> Again, when I was going to the GE meetings, I think, look at this state. It was because I didn't want to look at myself, Bill. I didn't want to look at me as if I had all these problems. And then when you start peeling that onion back. So what was it like then? So, you know, the the, the, the Charlie. Because mm -hmm. I know what it's like on yeah. the track, you know what I mean? Every I mean, weekend. I mean, I, I started on, on, on the... Um, on the on the charity, then it was straight to fucking crack. So yeah, yeah. But it's just a similar. I was too proud because I still all I wanted. Was to you do, unmanageable? Was you yeah, unmanageable? As I it? wanted to make money and shag birds. Yeah. If I knew I went down the crack route or the smack route, I wouldn't. That would have all disappeared. I still hung on to my looks because I was a posing bastard. Yeah. I used to wear the suits <laughs> because I could go for a sunbed and I get a great tan. Yeah, I had the yellowness, the paleness because yeah. I still had. A bit of sharpness about me, yeah. but the, when the Charlie comes and mate, you're talking ounces at the weekend, it's not just a couple of gram here and there. It's yeah. fucking, it's party mode, three, four days. But then the Valium started creeping in, yeah. two Valium to get asleep. Then it was five and six. And then it was a the joints. Then it was a the fucking gambling mixed in. It was just a cocktail, a fucking misery. But I always thought, I always looked down at other people yeah. because I thought, you look at the state of these cunts. Like, I'm, I'm still better looking than them. That's what I judged my addiction on. Yeah. As long as I was still better looking than them, as, still, as long as I look sharp. But when the curtains I, are closed, yeah. well, it's, it's within here that is the pain and misery. Your mum must be proud, Bill. My mum is, 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 yeah, she's proud. You know, I was, yeah, she is, she's, she is. And I love my mum. I really, really do. It's, um, she's, 
she's my rock and she has been for years and she doesn't really know that and I don't really tell her. But I remember like when I was in that cell and I was desperate and I was in it was in I was in, in Armley Leeds on an eight man unlock. I was on a come down from a prison roof and I felt really like important because there was loads of screws opening me up and shutting the door. But when that cell door got shut, I'd feel really lonely and um, the kid next door to me killed himself and the kid on the, the left and the right, they both trapped themselves. They had this pact, right, that I wasn't aware of. And 15 minutes before he'd asked me, did they have a light? I never had, I did have one, but I couldn't get it to him, couldn't get the cleaner to him. And uh, there was loads of, uh, well, half an hour later, there was loads of, loads of commotion. Cell doors were getting opened up. Uh, my, my flat was opening constantly. I found out these two had killed themselves. The screws were being overly nice. Do you want to ask bad, did they? Do you want a cup of tea? You're okay. Like, fucking hell. You know, it was a shock. And I remember, like, phoning my mum to give me a phone call. And I hadn't spoken to my mum for a while, for a long time. I didn't think she cared. And it was all he had left. And, and these two big screws were standing. They marched me to the, the phone. I'm like, they're small compared to these two. Imagine, big mask on, you know, the mask, the hard case. Phone me on. And when she answered, all right, mum, how are you? And she was like overjoyed to hear my voice and, where are you, what's going on? And I never expected that. I expected, like, what the fuck did they? Yeah, don't be ringing here. Because I can, I can, I'm used to that. You know, I can, I, 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 there's a thin line between anger and vulnerability for me. I can deal with um, the anger, easy. But when she was like, she was just like, I, I, I had a different response from it. I was like, it started to come up really. I knew something wanted to change. I knew that like, this, this is the change in me. Because I started having these feelings a lot. Um, and I, tears again in my eyes, couldn't blink because if it did, they'd be coming down my face. And the thoughts I was having was, these will judge me, these two fucking cunts, blah, blah, blah. And I couldn't say nothing. I never, I couldn't utter a sentence back to her. She just knew, mothers do. She went, son, you need help. Just ask for it. Mm. That's, that's all I could muster. And I put the phone down. She went, she just said, I know you, I know you're hurting. I know you, she just knew. Went back, mass, it was, it was the most, that, that was like the, the, the green mile, going back that cell because I couldn't, because they were there. I, mean, I couldn't see, it was blurry. Um, the door shut, boom. Sobbing, I sat on that bed and, and, and I thought I need to change, I need to change. And, and what was going through my mind was ask for help, ask for help. Now I'd never asked for help, right? I was too proud. My way of asking for help was climbing on roofs, causing destruction and mayhem and, and, and fighting, and it all in a negative way. Um, so I decided to put pen to paper and write. And the only person that could write to was the probation officer because I didn't know anyone else to ask. They were willing to help. They was they were overly keen. Come up to see me. We can help you get you into a rehab. Um, so I thank my mum for that because she started me on that journey of uh, that process of uh, healing. And it took a long time. But I had like uh, my my journey hasn't been straight. It's been a bit of a zigzag. I've I've relapsed. I've had to become aware. I've had to have a rigorous application to my recovery again. Um, so I've had the ups and downs, but every time it's strengthened. You know, it's it's it became I've become stronger and stronger. And as you put that down to to me mum saying, you know, just ask for help. And I, I believe that if you do ask for help and you're genuine, you're sincere with it, there's people there's people out there that will support you. But there's also people who half heartedly want you to help them. Right? 
I'm open with you halfway. And, and the motive's different. So, because uh, I know that, because that's me. Uh, you, you, you fucking, <laughs> honestly, and you know what? Like, I'll take advantage of anything. I'll take advantage of your good nature. I'll, I'll, I can turn a waterworks on like that. I'm, I'm good at it, you know. Me ma used to say to me, you could blag the knickers off and on. You know, you should have been an actor, you know. And, and I used to thought, I used to think, like, you know, Mr. Ben, I could, I'd say, you know, I could, I could put anything, you know, like a chameleon. I could, I could adapt to any situation. I was pretty good growing up at, um, at adapting. You know, you could put me in prison, bam, I'm adapting, bang, I'm adapting. Thailand, I'm adapting. It's hard, it's, it, it is. You know, and I'm not going to say, oh, it was the hardest thing on the planet. There's sometimes, and I've written about this, there's sometimes where, I've compared Thai jails and there's a lot of reflection of Thai prisons and, and English prisons. There's a lot of times when I thought I'd rather be in a Thai jail than I would in an English prison in some experiences. You know, because at least in a Thai prison, they open you up at seven and they bank you up at seven. You're out in a compound. Right, it's a massive compound. But in, in, in the UK, you can be banged up at fucking seven and not get out at all. You know what I mean? It's only for an hour or even not, not even an hour's exercise. You don't even get exercise now. You just get like... I fucking I was social on the landing, yeah. which is a shower and a phone call. Yeah, they got phones in the pads now. I even smuggled the phone into that prison. And most people who have phones in prisons, phone you have them for fucking different motives. I just wanted to phone my sponsor, who was like my mentor, so to speak, to guide me in my recovery. I remember sitting in a big boss chair because I didn't know this. I've been to jail for over 10 years. More shit in that chair, mate. I had this little fucking phone up my ass. Like, that is what the fucking shit myself now. I'm thinking, oh, what have I done here? Because I'm here, I'm here, and you get three months extra in the prison. I don't want any more extra. And I sat in that chair, and beep, oh, fucking jumped, jumped out like someone had bit me. And he asked me, he went, you're having to have you. I, I, I went, having what? He went, sit back down in there. I said, I'm sitting down now. Please, 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 please don't go off. It never went off. Don't know why. I don't even fucking ask for it, but it never went off the second time. And I'm in a shell. Right. That was a test from them. That was a, maybe a wee test from them That's, to maybe it, admit it. it. It could possibly, right? But uh, what's happened? Like, I went to shell. I've got this phone. I've got no charger. All I've got is a SIM card that I had put in that morning. I didn't even know the number. Right. So the phone was dead. And then. Um, <laughs> What the fucking useless this? And then this kid came. His name was Carl Crank. That was his name. This the Crank's corner in your pad. Um, and he was an electrician. <laughs> he was in for something. First time. Nice kid. Um, and he set it all up and charged the phone and everything. Got the number. Yeah, so, yeah, it does happen. Oh, it does. Right. <laughs> Go forward for the future, Bill. You've released two books. Created a film. You've got a beautiful son, beautiful Mrs. Michelle. Yeah. Your brother's amazing, Joe. You're doing well. You're flying high. Your podcast is picking up. You're doing well. You've spoke to some great people. Where do you go now, brother? It's the end of time. It is. It's. Um, I always say at the end of my podcast, uh, any pearls of wisdom, because I, I'll pull something from someone, and I think um, you either get busy living or you get busy dying. You know, and that's something I'd, I'd say. You know. You, You've got one life, live it, and try and just, just, I don't know, just, just, just enjoy what you've got, you know. And it, to me, going forward, now I'm involved in something called Weapons Down Gloves Up with Tony Bell. You, he's involved, he's on board, um, and it's about like intervention in schools and boxing academies and helping kids who have, 
he was troubled. So that's just where it is going forward, trying to like help the youth in our communities be aware of knife crime, gun crime, gang culture, image orientation, grooming, county lines. It's something lived. Ex- it's something that I, I, I know about. And if I if I can help someone so about mental health, addiction, prison, fucking hell, who's the best person to ask? You know, I, I, I've been on the receiver end and, and, and I'm open to... And I know you get... Oh, these reform fucking criminals, you got have on, James. Bloody hell, mate. You know what I mean? You think they changed and you want to fucking... Look, I have. <laughs> I, I have. And I've been doing it for the past, the past four years, right? So, yeah, fucking saying that record's off if you want to start jumping on that bandwagon. Get in the queue with your fucking comments because it, it people do change. Of course. People do change, yeah. right? There is people out there, I do agree, you know, I'm not going to disagree that get a platform because they can't fucking graph no more, right? They're on their arse and there's no, you know, and, and, and they're still, they've got no integrity and the values and the models are all over the gaff. The compass is all ski with. Yeah, yeah, there is. Not this fucking kid, you know what I mean? Um, I'm representing Liverpool in the podcast area. I'm enjoying it. Thanks for all your support. Thanks for having me on. If you buy the book, Shards, if you don't, Shards, keep it simple. <laughs> we're promoting a bit. Where can people get this book, Bo? They can get it in Waterstones um, and you can also get it on Amazon. It's in audio and it's read by a great friend of mine who's an actor called Stephen Walters. He was in Brookside, 51st Eighth. Great kid. I was glad that we had him uh, narrating the book because he's, he's a scout. I've had the book narrated before by a kid from London with a Scouse accent and it didn't manage. So yeah, it's uh, you can get it on Amazon and, and all those platforms, I'm pretty sure of it. It's released on our back at the moment. I think it comes out in paperback. I don't know whether it's next year or, or the end of this year, but yeah, it's available. Last question, brother, just for anybody that's battling mental health just now, what advice would you give for them? Pick up the phone, speak to someone, email someone if you can't, you know, you haven't got the courage to, to, it's 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 important not to be on your own in this area. And do you know what? I'll I've, I'll say this, James, because like um, I was when I was suffering and I was struggling, I'd torment people. I'd, I'd fucking phone them. What they do? Because there was I was I had a circle of friends. They passed me on to someone else because I'd been an adult. That's what happens. And the more you talk about it, the more it becomes a, a solution and not a problem. Because if you keep it in. <laughs> You know, some people are going, fucking sick of the sound here, Bill. You know what I mean? But the, I'm getting sick of the fucking sound of me in the end. To a point where I think, fucking hell, it's not even that bad. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say, yeah, just just reach out, pick up the phone, speak to someone. The usual, you know, there's not more. I haven't got no pearls of wisdom in that area. I just know that, like, if, if I was struggling, I'd speak to someone. I was at James, my head's kettle's here, lad. And you'd probably go, yeah, so's mine. Speak to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> and I've had like some signs of rank someone and he haven't answered but you know what I'll do I'll ring someone else because if you don't ring again because you because what we can do is you go oh, he's not answering he fucking knows it's me he's not because that's where the mental health yeah, takes yeah, you yeah. he's not answering because <laughs> he knows I'm, I'm, I'm fucking hell ass and then I start like cultivating this feeling and then believing it and then I won't ring yeah you've created something someone else mind. up because I feel, and then I've done it a few times, and he hasn't asked. That's it. It's a fucking conspiracy, you know. <laughs> fucking the all. They're all shitting. They're all. They're all there now. Yeah. No, but you, it says have faith in someone that will believe in you, and, and someone will. You know. That's it, mate. I can go on forever. Bo, 
Listen, Thank you. Love you, brother. You're doing amazing. You too, Proud of you. Thank you. Keep going and look forward to seeing what you do for the future. Part nice, three next year. Sad. Love you, bro. You can also watch my podcast on my YouTube channel. The link is in the bio if you'd like to subscribe. You can follow me on my social media platforms to see who my next guest is. Follow me on Facebook at James English 11, Twitter, James English 0, Instagram, James English 2. You can also download these podcasts on iTunes or Spotify. Sports Social Podcast Network.